and Root, a podcast about a couple of guys that enjoy sharing thoughts and going deep into conversation. Take us en route to your next destination. We are never running out of topics. Welcome back to En Route, Never Running Out of Topics. We're back for the second episode in a row. Tom Stott, I'm here flying solo for you tonight and wanting to go over some more thoughts that I've had, thoughts that I've always had and been coping with as I've always searched for balance between my training, my life, where does family, where does work, how do you fit it all in? Today I wanted to talk about setting expectations, which I think is really the framework for a successful venture into the endurance sports. With any trip into the endurance sports, it usually encompasses a good amount of training time, amount of training volume. And I think if you don't have your expectations set up from the get-go, it can lead you to some darker places that you you wouldn't expect yourself to be in pretty quickly because I think a lot of times we carry our prior experiences, we carry those into every field that we step into, but especially into athletics and performance. You know, when you think about who you are and what your identity is and who what defines you, a lot of the times we look back to our past with athletics and look at the times that we ran or the amount of hours we had to train, the mileage we put in. And if we cling onto those numbers, those extrinsic values too tightly, I, I think it becomes something of a, of a bit of a slippery slope in terms of risk reward. So you cling on to those and you start to set benchmarks to say, you know, if I don't hit 10 hours a week of 12 hours a week of training, then it's it's no good. It becomes binary when it when it shouldn't, when it's everything else and every other color, but mostly gray, right? Where there's no set number of hours you're supposed to get. You know, the one nice thing that we have with the endurance sports is that they very much are cumulative in terms of aerobic capacity. The more years that you do them, you know, the more that works in your favor especially if you can do and participate in these activities uninterrupted, you know, injury-free, I should say. You're obviously going to get interrupted by life. Say you have a child, uh, male or female, um, you're either the mom or the dad, and all of a sudden you're, you're plucked into this role in which you have no more time to yourself, right? So that's going to be some interrupted training time. But um, – going about it with the headspace of I'm going to get in what I can get in when I can will certainly do you a lot better. So for this podcast today is for people that are new parents, for people that are returning to running after an injury, um, perhaps one that 
you know, has lasted six months, a year, two years. This podcast is for athletes returning to sport after a break, an intentional break, perhaps due to burnout or career or you know, significant other. Perhaps you became a caretaker. Any number of instances this fits for setting expectations. I think it's so important. And I always like to start by doing what's the hardest for me, which is accepting really where I'm at right now in terms of being kind to my body, being kind to my mind, and not clinging to those numbers, those values, those extrinsic factors that I I feel like you know, define whether things are good or bad right now. So that's a tricky topic in itself, right? How do you go about accepting where you're at? And a lot of it starts with some type of self-care, self-love practice. Um, You know, you're only as, if you become linked into like a lot of myself included people that I knew through high school and college, if you start assigning value to yourself, depending on how the workout went, how the race went. If you truly value yourself only by those numbers, you're going to have a good chunk of time if you find some success in which you're going to value yourself really high, but you don't have a strategy to deal with having a really poor race or a really poor workout, or even worse, a few of those back to back, you're in a little bit of a slump. You know, all that stress adds up from having those performances, we know now how much this, all these external stress factors play a role in our actual performance itself. You know, it's no wonder you couldn't get out of the slump. You had nothing positive working in your favor. But where are you at now? Self-care, self-love, what type of affirmation practice do you have Um, with our kiddos on the drive to school? Every morning, we started this last year. We repeat five affirmations, and this sounds so hokey, I know, but I I try and stay pretty diverse with the words. I let our six and seven, who's almost eight-year-old, they're allowed to copy the same words. It increases their vocab, right? You drop in words like diligent and perseverance, but um, you just pick uh, five different statements to say about yourself, and what you're trying to do in uh, an affirmation practice is really just accept and practice positivity and and that positive mental attitude, that mental outlook in which there's always going to be negative. Right now I'm speaking and in the back of my head, some little monkey's saying, oh, you stuttered three minutes ago. You should hang on to that and let that frustrate you. But you got to quiet those, those little pesters out and that's what the affirmations do for you. So we'll be driving and I'll say I have, or I'll say I am loving. And then we'll go around and the kiddos will get a chance to respond, but I'll say five things. And I always like to throw, I am kind. Uh, I am compassionate. I am athletic. I am appreciative. I am honest. So, I mean, I'm just dropping in adjectives, but these are some of the ones that I find come into the forefront of my mind. Who knows really why? Maybe those are ones that I feel like I have trouble with. So I inadvertently see those pop up in my affirmation 
you know, agenda more frequently than not. Maybe deep down, I know those are the things that I still need to, that I still need to work on myself. But I think affirmations are great. You want to say it out loud. I think it's good to get it out of your head. It's easy enough to, to bake it in, but uh, to express it, I think takes it to a new, new level to verbally express it. And that's why I think it's such a great thing with kiddos to helping them uh, or friends. Um, this is certainly something you could do with adults. It sounds weird, but um, it's spreading love to yourself and to your, your friends around you is not something that should be weird. So um, we have affirmation practice. I told you about my self-reiki practice in my last episode in which I repeat my five principles. It's on this day, I will not worry. On this day, I will not get angry. On this day, I will do my work honestly. On this day, I will be thankful for my many blessings. And on this day, I'll be kind to my neighbor and all living things. So something to put you in a good headspace. I think that's really important. Some people can find self-care and self-love just through socializing, being able to get together with a group of guys, uh, with a group of girlfriends, with people of any gender, doesn't matter, but just getting together with a few people to connect with, you know, that might be enough for you. Um, Some people couple this with, you know, a few drinks of the alcoholic or non-alcoholic variety. Um, But something just to take a little bit of that pressure of always being inside of your own head off. I think that's really what it comes down to. Uh, If you're somebody that works better in solitude, like a good friend of mine, um, ends up speaking a good deal, right? So um, uh, for his company and giving pretty detailed explanations of new projects. And that's something that that I know it kind of puts him on edge, but he really enjoys doing it. It's just different from where I think he operates from day to day. So can we find something to meet that in the middle and get a little bit of balance and make yourself still feel good enough about it such that it's not weighing you down constantly. Um, but any number of self-care, self-love routines, I, I, I think is a good place to start from. After you decide where you're at now, um, in terms of being able to uh, wrap your head around you know, specific variables, how much time do I legitimately have in a week? Do I have 45 minutes a day, 45 minutes to an hour every other day? I think is setting up some of these physical, you know, uh, limits right now, boundaries, I think is important to write down. Um, You just jot down on a list. I love making lists of these things. It seems really negative because it's easy to come up with a lot of boundaries, right? And not a lot of positives. It's asking for a lot of help to be able to facilitate the positives, but making a list and then being able to make some type of weekly template uh, to work around that list, I think is, can be super useful for you. So uh, deciding how much training time you have, if you have a family, where are you going to budget family time in there, which I think is really important because they're the ones that are helping to support you the entire time you're through this. I've always been a fan of trying to get up early. I know a lot of my athletes, a lot of those listening to this 
you're getting up at 4 a.m. Not really because you love to get up at 4 a.m. and head out for a three-hour run, but because you're you're selfless people, that you're really trying not to fall into that, oh, I'll just sleep in, I'll meet for an 8.30, 9 o'clock group run, you know, it's an hour away, I'll have plenty of time to get there, it'll be a three or four hour run, and then we like to get lunch afterwards. I mean, that's, look, if you can make it happen, I know some some people that budget, that's their, you know, their one shot off each week that they make that happen, and there's some socialization, and that's very healthy. I've always been, I, what I felt like, teetering on the edge of valuing enough self-care, self-love time and time for my family that that really truly feels like uh, a connection for me. So I've been an early riser when I can get it in. I get it in early and try and get it done, especially when the kiddos were little. Like I said, they're six and seven now, but before they were awake, uh, that we've always had early risers. So that comes with its own challenges. But looking at about finding some type of balance. Um, and remember that's constantly changing day to day evolves, you know, as the weeks and years go by. And that's where I really think this whole pursuit of, of finding balances is so interesting. And I enjoy trading off a little bit more strength training or cycling more running more right now. I'm in a huge cycling kick. It's, it sold my car two weekends ago and I've been riding my bike to work and I found that I lost some running time. Frankly, it's, I I really don't have a whole lot of hours to make up for it. And I'm okay with that because I'm really enjoying riding my bike. So I found that with age, I've, I've come to terms with, or I've been certain, I guess you could just call it adaptability, been able to adapt to what the situation presents me with a whole lot better. So if you have your self-love practice in place. If you have your physical boundaries, what are my time constraints? What do I have access to? What am I able to do? The next thing I'd want you to do is envision happiness. So knowing what you have now, envision happiness. What does that look like for you? Is it a race time? Is it uh, just a general certain feeling of fitness? But I want you to try to put that in words and write that down. If you can envision happiness and it's something intrinsically there, like feeling the ability to wake up, you know, with purpose every morning, or like I have a goal I'm trying to get to, or um, to be a good parent to my kiddos, something that's, that's driving you. I think it's going to be a bit easier for you to kind of mold your physical boundaries around that, that the ability to achieve happiness. If the couple things you wrote down on the other hand were more like to qualify for Boston to hit this time goal or to PR, I want you to still keep those on the paper. We still try and target those, but we need to understand that right now, if your list of boundaries is pretty long, putting all the eggs in one basket for a specific, you know, like one race four months from now, if that's going to define our happiness, it's just, there's a lot of area for error there between injury, sickness, life commitments, work. 
And it's not like you can't have those, but I try and sprinkle in some of those other goals. I really like, um, so if we make A, B, and C goals, A goals are, are what we're, we're really trying to hit. B goal might be something, so I'll give you an example of each. An A goal might be something like to show up to race day feeling good about the work that I put in. Anybody can do that. You could do that showing up, don't necessarily advise this, but um, you could show up to a half marathon on four to five hours a week of training, right? And still be happy knowing that you checked every single box, you hit that alarm, uh, snooze button maybe like a couple times throughout that entire training block um, just because you were exhausted and went to bed at 3 a.m. But you rarely hit that snooze button. You got up, you put the work in, you you did what you could to get there. There's no reason why that person can't go and check off that A goal for that half marathon knowing that they did as much as they could, which sometimes we just got to we got to give ourselves that credit. All right? Sometimes that credit is due and this is coming from somebody that is very self-critical and I I find that hard to give myself credit even when it's due really <laughs> it's it's one of my biggest flaws right so showing up with a smile on my face injury free i love that as an a goal i don't make that for everybody but um everybody's motivated differently i love the headspace we can play around with that though and you'll see it in the training too, reflected if you take notes about your workouts. If you have that a mindset approach um, into your training, into your workouts, you'll find yourself reflecting um, almost after each workout in the same manner. Let me give you an example. You'll go out, you'll have, uh, say, a handful of mile repeats on the schedule for the day. You'll go out and by the second one, you're just not feeling it. Things aren't clicking for you. The legs feel really blocky and you're not hitting the times you thought you could. So in the workout, you'll switch it into like an effort-based mindset where all of a sudden that, you know, I'm going to stop looking at my watch all the time and and trying to keep my heart rate in a certain range. And I'm just going to try and run this by feel, which I love anyways. That's for another topic though. But after the workout, you'll say, you know what? I got out. It didn't go well for me, um, but I'm glad I got that in. That was really hard. It was hard for me to mentally stay engaged and focused and push through. And you'll find that with that mindset, you'll be able to have that dialogue with yourself, that conversation, rather than if you're the person that's just driven extrinsically, you know, by that time goal, by that, you know, that that certain target that you're trying to hit the the Boston qualifier what what have you the the person in that regard it's it's hard to have that dialogue because you're so it's so binary you're either there or you're not there and if you're not there it's it's a tough pill to swallow on that day and it's it's hard to reflect right away so i love a goals um in that manner uh putting time these extrinsic factors um, down in B and C goals, knowing that, hey, at least I'm able to check a box when I get there um, by having this A goal as something that 
I think sets you up for for good long-term success too. It keeps you viable and sustainable in a sport that's very cruel. You know, I've said this so many times that running is such an easy sport to fall in love with um, and such a hard sport to, to break up with. It's just, it's, it's addictive. You get this endorphin rush. There's a sense of community almost right away. Uh, you meet some of the sweetest people in the sport and it comes with all these health benefits and you feel really good about yourself. It doesn't take a lot to start doing it. It's a very small range of motion, even at the hip and the knee and the ankle. And yes, you still need a lot. And I love to talk about running for them, but you, you could take anybody and go out and run, walk a little bit and they could do it. And that's, you can't say that a whole, uh, about a whole lot of other sports, but for as fast as you can fall in love, you know, you, you can have a sudden breakup and it just, it breaks your heart. You know, all of a sudden an injury creeps up right in the middle of a good training block or I know people that are right on the cusp of Olympic tri- trials, qualifying times and um, having big breakout races and they just get hung up right there. But um, so, so cruel in so many ways, I think having a, a relationship that we can, you know, give back to yourself more readily, I think is very beneficial. I think we need to get out of our own way. So we know where we're at. We're envisioning happiness. All right, we have our goals set. Getting out of your own way is tricky. I think for a lot of people that are self-sabotagers out there, um, this is a phenomenon that's really kind of come through in, in the social streams recently. Um, people admitting, you know, to what they've done before races. And um, I think the psychology here is is a great place to tap into research over the next five to 10 years for why people that, you know, look at some of these men and women that go off to the Olympics. And in the Olympic village, they make choices that are just, I mean, com- completely off the rails. You know, and they've spent their entire life, not just the past four years, but their entire life working up to a moment. And they got there. And then, you know, a decision or, or a handful of bad decisions leads to a loss of medals and embarrassment. And um, it's just, you wonder, you wonder what's going on in their heads, right? But uh, whether it's just a simple mistake or if there's, there's some deeper meaning to it, it's, it's hard to say. But getting out of your own way in my head has, has been something that I, I told you as a self-critical person, uh, allowing, you know, the, here's where your trust comes into your plan and what you've set up. And if you're working with a coach um, is a huge attribute to getting out of your own way is the ability to really approach things objectively. Um I know people that can make the best training plan, some really fast men and women that can really coach up other people phenomenally. Um, and then when it comes to their own plans, it's they push right to that edge um, and always just a little bit beyond and are, would really do well with some objective uh, reasoning and objective uh, not mindset, but being able to approach something without any of those past biases with where you think you should be or where you once were and instead just where you are now. 
somebody that can look into you as the individual in the present moment. So having a coach or or somebody, a, a trusted training partner, look over your plan and look over what you've written down and some of your goals, I think really is one of the best ways to help you get out of your own way. You know, they might look and say, hey, gee, Tom, you have a bunch of, you know, pretty long runs strung back to back to back here and you're following this cycle. Like what's going on right there? And, you know, I might say, oh, well, you know, I've never, I've never felt like I've had my breakthrough marathon yet and I'm really trying to do it. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go for it this training cycle. And hopefully they'd say, well, look, the, the, there's no real magic in that signature long run. There's no, there's no book. There's no one person, one ultimate training plan that dictates that you need to go out and hit this many miles. There are a million different opinions out there, but it's it's what's worked for you in the past. All right, well, I feel like I've missed out on some long runs in the past and I felt like that's hurt my overall training. All right, well, let's take those couple that you have bunched up and spread them out a little bit more. You know, it's, it's being able to have a dialogue uh, with somebody, a meaningful one from somebody that you trust. Budgeting time and setting priorities are the last couple things that I wanted to talk to you about in regard to setting expectations. And these are another one of my faults, <laughs> tough area for me, as I'm, if you've seen The Incredibles, um, the first one, all right, Mr. Incredible, for those of you maybe one person listening to this that hasn't seen it, right? I think everybody's seen The Incredibles. But if you haven't, Mr. Incredible is, you know, one of the protagonists in the movie. Uh, super strength, super, uh, you know, super good looking. Uh, you know, has the charm, the, the, the Superman swagger, if you will. And he uh, is marrying Elastigirl. And he's got this line that it's like, I still got time. His partner Frozone, they'll be saving, you know, the city from something or other. And he's supposed to meet Elastigirl for this or that. And Frozone's like, Mr. Incredible, you got you got to get out. You got to get going. And he says, I still have time. And fast forward later, it's wedding day, right? He's supposed to get married. And it's, I still got time. I, I think that's how, you know, I think it, it drives my wife crazy. But uh, that's how I, I basically live my life. Is that if I'm supposed to be somewhere at seven, I'll get there at six fifty nine and thirty seconds, like with just enough time to spare. But I'll always get there. I'll definitely show up, right? But it's, it's I just I I pack my schedule too much. All right, budgeting time is is been pivotal for me, and I've really had to lean on my wife in terms of, you know, talking ahead of time. Hey, I have a long run coming up. We're camping. I'm going to be out of the tent by 5.30, running by 5.45. I'll be back by 9.45. Um, and it's, I really have to lean on her to be able to, you know, obviously watch the kiddos, start to pack up camp so I can come back, basically change my shirt and hop in the car and, and get going by the time we shut down camp by, at, you know, by like 10 a.m. or 10.30. So being able to ask for help, which I know a lot of you struggle with, um, and you got to reciprocate it too. So if you're asking help from a friend or from a loved one, from a partner, significant other, kiddos or no kiddos, 
if you're asking somebody, hey, I really need a little bit of self-love and I really do well in this yoga nidra class, can you go with me to keep me accountable? Make sure that you turn around and ask them, hey, what can I do to help you? Um, do you want to get coffee on Sunday afternoon together uh, just to sit and talk? I know you know you really like to meet at this place. Whatever the case is, make sure you do reciprocate. I want to make sure we're we're clear with that. But budgeting time, so you need to lean on other people for help, um, and then setting priorities. Um, here's where I fall into a big pit too, right? With uh, all the duties of life to do, I'll just find myself. Well, oh, you know, I can I can probably get this load of laundry started and. Oh, well, I got that load of laundry started. I might as well just go ahead and fold it, you know, just to get it folded, to get it done. Oh, look, I'm carrying this basket of laundry upstairs. And oh, there's so much dog hair on the stairs right here. I should probably vacuum that real quick. And look, all that stuff, it can wait. I promise you it can. Um, but speaking from somebody that looks rather manic at times when I go on random cleaning sprees, uh, at any given hour. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm not prioritizing things the way I should be. There's something I'm supposed to be doing uh, that's, that's better organized with my time. I might be self-sabotaging and, and avoiding a run and using those as an excuse, even though I can't really see that at the time. Um, but setting priorities. If you have a run, um, a, a workout, a yoga class, a massage, you got to make time for these and they got to be pushed up. You know, if you, if they're, if you're spending enough time listening to a podcast right now about setting expectations, this is going to have, these are going to be family meeting discussions or significant other, or if you're a single parent, um, meeting up with your parent, perhaps your, your mom and grandma, like I need your help on Sunday morning so I can get, you know, this run in or this, uh, this group track workout on a Thursday night. Uh, I, I do need some help with this. I, I really appreciate you know any support you can give me. Um, but we got to set those priorities up so that you're getting in. You know what little. Remember, look at those physical boundaries that you set up. You might only have four. There are some of you that can only run twice a week. I mean, the two hours, two three hours a week worth of training. You need to value that. It's it's for you. Um, so we need to do whatever it is possible to make sure that you do have that time to yourself. So setting expectations. I know it's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of writing. And uh, if you had a dry erase board, you know, it'd look like some John Madden, like, or John Gruden, like uh, football plays, you know, scribbling schedules and figuring out where you want to go. Um, but depending on how badly you want it, it's, it's something that, that I think is, is well worth doing. It's well worth writing down, investing, you know, an hour into having a, a little meeting with yourself about and figuring out what it is you want to do. Because I think if you put pen to paper, it'll keep you committed to it. And I think you'll be better off for it. I uh, really appreciate you hanging out with me uh, for this episode. Um, David, my coach, is bouncing around the U.S., uh, given talks right now. So I hope to link up with him perhaps next week. Really have some interesting stuff to share with you about the current state of women in running, like I said last, uh, last week. Um, but stay tuned, more to come. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. 
Have a good one. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. Send us any comments, feedback, questions, or positive vibes on Instagram. David Welch can be found under the handle Plant Powered Running, all one word. And Tom Stott can be reached at Elevation underscore Running. We'll see you en route to your next adventure.